following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. By two immutable things in which it was a nation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hopes soul most sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God, thank you for this eternal truth that we find in thy word throughout the word of God. Father, thank you for those who've come to hear it. And Father, we'd ask for your presence, your power, your help in understanding these truths. Father, Lord, do it. passage of scripture that the Lord spoke to my heart and, and in some sense gave me some reassurance concerning, if you will, the hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now here the Apostle Paul is writing to Hebrew believers that are scattered abroad because of persecution and difficulty. Their lives are, are bitter because sometimes of the, the persecution, sometimes bondage and what have you, and they're struggling. And God the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul to write these things to them, to encourage them, to strengthen them in their faith, and if you will, in their hope, which we have as an anchor uh, of the soul. The word hope is defined as, it is not an uncertain expectation of good, as some may say, I hope so, or maybe so, but rather a certain and confident expectation of some great good to come. And in one
Sophocles said that to, to found hope on a false supposition is like trusting a weak anchor. And so it is. Look with me to, uh, back to our text of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And <clears throat> verse 19, the hope that we have, the Lord says, is an anchor of the soul. He says in verse 19, which, ha- which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The word sure means certain, unfailing, infallible, just as the word. Look here to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 this morning. Psalm 19 and verse 7.
and verse 9 Isaiah 46 and 9 that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall, shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the, bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. When God promises, folks, he says, I'm going to do what I've said, I will do, I'm going to do or fulfill my promises to man. Folks, for you and I, what God requires from us is faith. For us to believe. Titus 1 and verse 2. Titus 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> Bible says, Titus 1 and verse 2. Look there with me. <clears throat> Give you some time to get there. There are times when I'm blazing through the scripture and I've left everyone behind in the dust. So I'm trying to rein it in a little bit, amen. Titus 1 and 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 10. Folks, God has made promise, many promises, and particularly eternal life and a hope long before he even created the world. In Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll begin in verse 35. The Bible says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe in the saving of your soul. Folks, cast not away your confidence. Folks, our, our confidence is never misplaced, but it's placed in the promises of God.
Now, let me tell you something. Uh, from day to day, I change. Uh, certainly my clothes, amen. <clears throat> but we change. Sometimes our moods change. Sometimes you get out of bed and you say, wow, what a... And you want to roll back in and not get up. We've been doing that, but, you know, we're changeable. Our moods change. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're not angry. Sometimes... Thirty-three and verse eleven, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever; <clears throat> the thoughts of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom, whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Folks, God does unchanging His counsel. He says, "Standeth forever." His counsel is what He has established and, uh, if you will, uh, predetermined to do, and He let. I'm so changeable this, uh, this morning in Sunday school, I led songs. And after struggling through Sunday school with trying to lead songs, I realized, you know what? I had already talked to Darren and said, hey, can you help me with song leading? Well, I realized I need to change. <laughs> Get him up here, help me with the songs, what have you. We change. thing on one hand, and on the other hand, the next day, maybe not. Be sure of this, God is always unchangeable, always the same. His word, you know, something we have to be careful, be careful of tampering with, adding to or taking away from God's word. Because see, God doesn't change. We do, and sometimes men seek to change God by changing his word. We have to be careful concerning that. Look at me at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And look at verse 8. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. Isaiah 55 and let's look at verse 8. Bible says, God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Meaning God is, is greater than man. Amen. Even and especially in his thoughts and in all that he is. He says in verse 10, For as the rain cometh down and, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud. And praise God for the rain we had recently. Amen. 
uh, bringeth forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. You know, I, I can be confident in the fact that when I preach the word of God, and I just even read the scripture, that God will take it and do in the hearts of men what only he can do and what he wants. But God can. God is true. Jake, everyone that receives and that's unchangeable with God's word. Me too. Hebrews 13. 13 Our hope is affirmed. same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Why? Because Jesus Christ is God. God in the flesh. God says, I am the Lord. I Seventeen, every good gift, every perfect 
Levites, with whom is no variableness or unchangeableness through the shadow of turning so forth. Since we talk about the hope of God, you know, we, we acquire it, if you will, by grace through faith in the promise of God. It is, if you will, affirmed to us by the immutability of God. Folks, what a blessing that, that you know what, God, if he said something, will not change. If he's promised us the hope of heaven, he will not change. Now, we may change, but God will not change his word. No, he won't. It's not like us. You know, sometimes we say something to somebody, and we get mad, and we treat them differently the next day. Because you're mad at them. We do that with our kids. Not, not to discipline our kids out of anger, but out of love and concern for them. Now, we get Acquired by faith in the promise of God, it is assured, if you will, is affirmed us by the immutability of God. It is assured us by the power of God. Look at verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 6. For men verily swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation is them in all end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation and have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Now, folks, throughout this, this passage, throughout the Bible, but throughout this passage, there's one, there's one that stands out, God. There's one that stands out, and it's God. God stands out above you and I because God alone is God. And, folks, God alone has all power, all power on, in heaven and on earth. We can't say that. You and I don't even have the power to save ourselves or keep ourselves saved. God alone has the power to save and to keep saved. God alone has the power to give hope and keep hope for you and I. God wants to affirm, if you will, or assure us by his power. Look at John 10. John 10. And 27, John 10. And let's look at verse 27. John 10, beginning in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He gives them what? Eternal life. Where is the end of eternal life? There is no end. You know what the Bible says of God that he is eternal. What does that mean? God has been, always been and always will be. Before there was anything, there was God. 
when, when, if anything were to come to an end, there would be God. But yet, life is eternal. He says here, in verse 28, and they shall never perish. When is there a time when someone who's been saved by the grace of God could perish? Never. To perish is to be separated from God in a place called hell. When can we lose our salvation? The Bible says, Him that cometh to me, Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Why? Because He is God. He says in <clears throat> verse 28, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He said, I give unto them eternal life. Never to perish, never to be taken out of the power of my hand. Jesus Christ is the arm of the Lord, the power of Almighty God to sacrifice himself, shed his blood, rise from the dead, and take the precious blood of Christ, God's Son, which cleanseth us, alone cleanseth us with all sin, from all sin. He alone has the power not only promise, but has the power. Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9 and 1. <clears throat> Actually, look back to Hebrews 6 and verse 19 first. Hebrews 6 and 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is, entered, is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, only one in the temple was allowed into the holy place of all. The holiest of holies was actually be the very presence, the place where God dwells, a picture of heaven. The only one allowed in there was the high priest, and once a year, with the blood of the sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ fulfilled that, that type when he died on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says the veil of the temple was rent in twain. It was a huge, thick veil that no human being could possibly tear into or have access to. God had access because he tore open the veil. He exposed and made way for you and I into the presence of God by his power. A place we could not come to without God, without the power of God. Hebrews 9 and verse 1. Hebrews 9 and verse 1. <clears throat> then verily the first covenant speaking of the Old Testament covenant, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. There were, for there was a tabernacle made the first where in the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. After the second veil, the tabernacle, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the gold, uh, golden pot, that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables of the covenant. And over it was the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seats 
of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now these things were thus ordained. The priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But the, the second uh, went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, the, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as yet the first tabernacle was standing. Meaning the Old Testament worship of, of uh, sacrifices and what have you were a picture of, of what Christ himself would fulfill. They looked forward by faith. They offered the sacrifices. They went through their worship, the forms of their worship, to show their faith in the Christ that was represented by it all to point men to the Christ to come. Then Christ came. And he fulfilled all of that. God would change from the Old Testament to a New Testament, a new form, if you will, of worship. No longer actually offering literal sacrifices because he himself would offer himself as the fulfillment. He says in verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation or fulfillment, folks. Christ would fulfill these things. But Christ being made, uh, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, it was referring to the temple and tabernacle, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained what? Eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, and for this cause he is made the new mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgress transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. See, folks, Christ fulfilled all that was necessary and made way for anyone who had put their faith and trust in Christ and what he did. He would make entrance and a way for them to go to heaven. It's, it's called our hope, our hope of heaven. You know what, folks? I'm so thankful that I have something to look forward to more than this, this place. Now, I appreciate what's been done here. I thank God for this place to worship. I appreciate what God has done in providing someone to help us to get this job done because we couldn't have had it, got it done otherwise. But there's something better to look forward to than even this place. There's heaven itself. To be in the very presence of God forever. Hope. Hope of something more, better, more glorious than this. Amen. Then even this life. You know, there are things about this life I enjoy. But it's not eternity. There is something better than this. And God's provided it for us. Hebrews 10 and 19. Hebrews 10 and 19. Hebrews 10 and 19. 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, folks, he's encouraging them, assuring their hearts in their hope of heaven, their hope of something better. Now listen, better than what they were going through even. Now God was accomplishing great and wonderful things even through persecution in the lives of a Christian. God, you know what, whether we, whether we want to realize this or not, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's God, God's purpose that we be like Christ. There's nothing better that we can, now listen, there's nothing better that we can have in this life, but there's something better in the next. To be in a place without sin, without sorrow, without sickness, without parting. Amen to be with God forever. And he's encouraging them in this. Hebrews 4 and 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you know what? Those were glorious words written to a people who Paul was trying to assure of their eternal hope in Christ. Folks, you know what? The way into the presence of God we have now, even now, we're not in heaven yet. You say, well, that's obvious. But you know what? We have access to heaven now. And you know what? When we want to talk to God, all we have to do is lift up our heart to God, knowing that the doors of the, the presence of God are open and God's waiting to hear from us to help us. Man, the hope, the hope, the anchor of our, our soul, the hope, the anchor of our soul. And lastly, look back to Hebrews 6. There's one, one more thing, amen. Now, what a blessing, what a blessing to understand that it's acquired, our hope is acquired, our hope as the anchor of our soul is acquired by grace through faith in Christ and his promises. What a blessing that it's affirmed for us in an unchangeable God. It's assured to us by the power of an unchangeable God. But to what purpose? What was Paul and what was God trying to do for these people? Lastly, it is to motivate us to a steadier application of continued loving service for God. Now these people were going through great difficulty. Their life at times seemed miserable, they were in fear for their life. They were being abused and mistreated. Now, that being said, 
You know, there's not really any excuse for us not to lovingly serve our God. There's no excuse. You say, but preacher, I'm going through all of this. Yeah. But the Lord wants to focus our attention on, folks, you know what? This is not the end of all things. This life and what we're going through right now is not the end, the goal of itself. We're here. We're here for a reason. You know, God could, at the moment we trusted Christ and were saved by the grace of God, eternal salvation, God could take us home. Why doesn't he? There are times we think, why doesn't he? <laughs> I'd like to go home today. Because he has something for you and I to do. He says, look with me to verse 9, Hebrews 6 and 9. <clears throat> Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do ministry. He's talking about the fact that they were, already, they were serving God in the midst of great difficulty. Ministering to the saints, helping them. And God wouldn't forget it. And we desire that every one of you show, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He talks about diligence. You know, the diligence, when you look up the definition, and I use the, I use the Webster's 1828 dictionary. You don't study the Greek. No. Why not? Because I don't get it. I barely got English. Amen? So I read an English dictionary called the Webster's 1820. You know, most of the words that we find in the Bible, almost all of them are found in that, that dictionary. And you know, they use scripture to find those words. I don't have to know Greek. I have an English Bible and I have an English dictionary. I don't have to rewrite the Bible. I have to let God speak to me. And help me to understand it. And folks, God wants us to realize we're here for a reason. And we can glory in the hope that we have to come. But while we wait, while we wait, we serve. Amen? While we wait, we serve. And we show diligence. The word diligence at its essence comes from a word that means to love earnestly to choose. It speaks of steady application in any kind of business, constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Diligence, born now born out of an earnest loving desire. Amen? What a blessing, folks. You know what? And God was encouraging these Hebrew believers in his, his love and his care and his power and his promise and his, his character that what he had promised he was going to do for them. But why? So they wouldn't give up and quit helping and serving other people. You know, service to God is serving others. Amen? Service to God you know what? Moms say, well, how can I serve God? I mean, there's no place in the church for you to serve. You know what? First and foremost, if you're a mom, your great service to God is being a good mom. What about dads? Well, I don't serve down the church. I mean, I come, I give. What, what can I do? What, what else can I do? 
If you're a dad, one of your first responsibilities in service to God is to be a good dad by the grace of God. Well, what, what can I do to serve God? If you work a job as a Christian, we serve and we do our best for the glory of God. Not for a paycheck. Ow. Now, I, I like it when my paycheck's increased. Amen. But what if it doesn't increase? We go on anyway. We do what's right. We serve God. Amen. And, and Children. Oh, children. Well, what can I do? Obey your parents. You evil children. Oh, but preacher, you don't know my parents. Amen. But God doesn't say, if they're nice, he says obey. Now you obey them in the word. They, you don't, don't obey them when they say sin. But obey them, period. Obey them because it's right. You're serving God. And on and on it goes. Then sometimes you do things down the church and whatever for the church. But the church is people. It's not this. It's people doing and serving. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Let's look at verse 7. Galatians 6. Let's look at verse 7. Be not deceived. Galatians 6. I've got to slow down. Galatians 6. Verse 7. See, if I drink too much coffee, my motor gets to revving. I had a little bit in, the, in my office today. Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially to them who are the household of faith. Let us not be weary and well-doing. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll sow to the flesh instead of the spirit. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can get a little discouraged, and, and you know, we, we become weary and doing right. But God says, listen, don't be weary. You have a great future. You have the assurance of it in God. Let's stay by the course. Let's stay the stuff. Let's not be weary and well-doing, but, but uh, do. And, you know, one day we'll reap. Be a steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, no matter what the labor may be, even being a parent. And there are times moms feel like it's nothing but labor. I got to do the dishes. I got to cook the food. I got to change their diapers. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to train them. I got to love them. I got to discipline them. That's not easy. And we don't do it perfect. But we need to do it. Regardless of the difficulty, regardless of the circumstances. And he says, be not slothful. The word slothful means inactive, sluggish, lazy, indolent, idle. Proverbs 13 and 4. The soul of the sluggard, that means the lazy person, desireth and hath nothing. You know, that's why, you know, one of the most difficult things about COVID is all the money the government's giving away. And people like it. 
And so when it's time to go back to work, what? <laughs> go to work? Why? They're giving me money anyway. And then they desire. And they wish they had what maybe somebody who's worked has. Slugger, the soul of the sluggard desire and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Now, you know what, folks? This is one of the few times where it's okay to be fat in the Bible. <clears throat> there are times when if I eat too much, I'm fat and flourishing in it. That's not the good scriptural kind of fat. But fat means blessed. Fat means blessed. You know, the Orientals looked at a, a, a person who was overweight as blessed. Now, I must, to some of those people, look one of, like one of the most blessed people on the faith because I'm fat. Is that spiritual? No. But there's, in diligence, there's blessing. In slothfulness and laziness, there's the absence of it. Proverbs 18 and 9. So you're endorsing being fat? Nope. You know, I, you know what I found? It's easy to get fat. It's not easy to get skinny. Proverbs 18 and 9. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Now that's a tough verse for this reason. How much time have we as Christian people wasted? How much of our lives have we wasted doing something of no eternal See, these Christian Hebrew believers were under difficult, living in difficult circumstances. And God understands what we're going through. And God is there for us while we're going through it. But God is not looking to give these Hebrew believers an excuse to be lazy. Just the opposite is true. He wants us to get on the stick, get on, the, on, on with the work of God. And you know what? There's a time for rest. And it's when we finally get to heaven. Sometimes we spend too much time resting now, trying to find a little heaven on earth, and we forget we have a hope, a hope which is the anchor of our soul. Amen? What a blessing we have that. But what a blessing we might be to someone else as we wait for that. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.